Welcome to Belong. We're so glad that you're with us. We had a break last week because the electricity was off for this entire grid until just right before service, and it was during the middle of the night, and so we had to cancel everything. So we missed everybody, but we are here this week, and we're just so excited to pick up where we left off. Last week, we actually saw in our message, at the very, very ending of it, we saw um, that forgiveness came up, and it was kind of like not even what you would think it would part normally be there. And it was talking about prayer. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, this is what we looked at. It says, and when you stand praying, this is the end of what we looked at last week. When you stand praying, forgive. And, and even as I was doing my message last weekend, and that jumped up out at me, I'm like, man, that's so crazy that we're talking about prayer and all of these things. And then all of a sudden, Forgiveness. Why did forgiveness fit in there? And as you'll recall, we talked about that we can do all of the right things, but if we don't forgive, it's going to kind of neutralize things out. And so we have to continue to forgive so that as it continues on, our Father who is in heaven will forgive our transgressions. And, and I don't know about you, but I need uh, my Heavenly Father forgiving me. Not just the, the one time of, you know, when I came to him, but the fact that he continues to forgive me. In fact, he forgave me for everything I would ever do in my entire life. He knew the totality of my life. It's amazing how good God is. But as we approach life, we all come from different perspectives, but it determines how we were, it's by how we were raised and by whom and where, what part of the country and, and our experiences and even the experiences of our friends and our family. We all approach life differently. We all look at life through the lens of our experiences. Now, and that can be good and it can be bad. We will see all kinds of different things, but two people can see the exact same thing, and one can see the negative of it because of something bad that's happened to them, and someone else can see the bad in that situation because of the good that had happened to them. See, we all look through the, the, the lens of perspective based on our experiences, and it's easy to prejudge and resulting, as a result of that, we, it makes it really difficult to forgive. So if you see somebody that is, is, is kind of hinting at something that you had a problem with before, someone treats you like someone treated you before, and then all of a sudden you start going down this road and you're like, oh, this is, in, this is going to end just like this other person, it's super easy to jump to the conclusion that isn't even there yet. And it makes it even more difficult to forgive oftentimes. Everyone around the world, particularly here in Texas, has been watching the trial that was concluded, concluded a couple of weeks ago with Amber Geiger, the Dallas police officer, who, according to her, thought she went into her apartment and it was Botham John's 
apartment. And I mean, I'm sure everyone knows the story. And, and the confrontation was there, and she was scared, and she thought that he was, gonna, he was an intruder, and he didn't know what's going on. And, and the result is she ended up shooting him, and he died right there. And everyone who's watched that trial and has heard all the different commentaries, they have their opinion. The same way I started off with that we look at things through the perspective of how we were raised in our own personal experiences. Like for me, for example, I, having been in law enforcement, I can relate to her as a law enforcement off-duty, tired and walking in, and all of a sudden you have all the tools that you're ready available And all of a sudden, you're faced with this thing. And I've, I've experienced when you get tunnel vision, where all of a sudden, you don't see anything. But, and it's like, oh my gosh, is this the, am I going to have to? And all this adrenaline dump that goes into I can See, I can relate to certain sides of that. But other people on the exact opposite have been treated poorly by the police. And they've had a bad experience. And so they look at it that she came busting in there. And see, we come at the same story, the same set of, uh, of examples, the same set of evidence even as you watch the trial, we can come to two different opinions, two different judgments. And of course, you know, the, the jury found that she was guilty of murder and she's been sentenced to prison. And, and at the, the impact, the victim impact session, and I'm sure you've seen it, because it's gone around the world, and I just absolutely loved it. That it's a terrible, terrible situation, and, and no one won. And and I don't believe that she meant to um, shoot a black man. I don't. I'm not going to get into the details of the trial. I believe it was a terrible accident. And there's a whole bunch of things that if one of those things hadn't gone that way, it wouldn't have happened at all. It's a series of, of unfortunate events. But nevertheless, there's a family left without a son. A family that's left without a brother. And as the story goes, Botham John's little brother, Brant, was having a particularly difficult time. Because he looked up to his brother, and his brother was his world, and he wanted to be just like his brother, and his brother being murdered really hit him. And in fact, as I understand it, he didn't even speak out until actually the victim impacted. He wanted the opportunity. And I'm sure you've seen it, but we're going to watch the video. And yes, I know it's long, but I, I just see the, the, the amazing story of God's love that's represented through this young 18-year-old man who was obviously raised by a great godly family you turn your attention to the screen. I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the things, the bad things you may have done in the past. Each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I 
I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Please. Yes. This is just the most amazing story. And I, I'm sure you're like me that the first time you saw it and even every time after that, it's just so emotional. But you see the genuineness of forgiveness. It's easy to sit there and say, I forgive you, but then you still hold and harbor all the stuff inside. But what was genuine is when he said, can I give her a hug? And saying, I hope you really turn your life over to God. And that's just the most amazing thing to me as we're looking at the different scriptures, as we're reading through the story, and, and we see where Jesus said, and forgive. He gave the greatest example of being forgiven, of being Christ-like. And we should all ascribe to be like Brant Jean. This month as a church, as you'll recall, we're reading through a book of the Bible. And in August, we read through the book of Matthew. And in September, the book of uh, Mark. And this is, of course, October. And we're reading through the book of Luke. And if we're reading through it or listening to it like I am, you know, and then we're doing all the messages along through the stories that were there. And this week, we're picking up at Luke chapter 4 starting in verse 14. Now, Jesus has just come back into a region, and he's now entering. He hasn't fully stepped completely into his ministry. He's been through the wilderness, and he's now walking in, and he's gathering a few of the disciples with him, but he's pretty much just beginning. And we see Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He just came out of the wilderness time where the Spirit was with him. 
And news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. Verse 15, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. So Jesus comes in there and he's just teaching to them. And the freshness and the wonderfulness of, of the word of God coming in and just, it's not just the written, you know, wrote or the mundane, the monologue that they've been used to, but all of a sudden there's life comes through there and everyone is so excited about it. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth. Remember, he was born, he was raised in Nazareth. Sorry, he was born in Bethlehem and he's raised in Nazareth and where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, and I highlighted that because I want us to see that Jesus had customs of going to church. As his custom was, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. I highlighted both of those because Jesus wasn't just someone who was going and just sitting back at the back row and just like, okay, is it almost done? Let's dip out. Let's get to Chick-fil-A for they, hey, we all know Chick-fil-A isn't open on Sunday. But this is Saturday because they are Jewish. Chick-fil-A would be open. But anyway, Jesus wasn't just trying to just get in there and just be seen, but he was actually participating. And I think there's a lot of value to us today. Verse 17, and as the, he opened the book, uh, sorry, as the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him to read, he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. So normally what they would do is they would have the scrolls and they would hand it to the person who's going to read and they would pick up from where the last person stopped. And again, a lot of this is a religious um, step, so you're just going to read it, read it, read it, read it, read it, stop. Next week, you pick up from there, and you just go, and it's just like, okay, it's good, but it's kind of dry. It's kind of meh, okay? But it's, that was the custom, just to go in order. But he actually opened the book, and then he moved along until he found this place in Isaiah, and here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me, to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed. Jesus came and he said, this is the mission statement. This is why I am here. See, Jesus came to the earth to pay for our sins, to die on a cross, but he, that was the only thing that he came for. He could have came in as an adult, showed up, all of a sudden he's the son of God, they're all mad at him, they take him and crucify him, he pays for our sin, his blood is paid for that. All of that is wonderful and great, and there's no way we can minimize that in any way, shape, or form. But if that was the only thing he was trying to do, he didn't have to do all of this. The most amazing thing to me is Jesus came as a baby and was raised just like we are. So he could say, I experienced being a two-year-old. I experienced being a five-year-old. I experienced being a teenager. Hello, come on, somebody. That is awesome that Jesus came. But now here he is at 30 years old, walking into his ministry, and he's reading the prophecy about him. But he's also declaring what his mission statement is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He just came out of the wilderness where the Spirit descended like a dove upon him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me. Why was he the Spirit on him? Because he was anointed. Why was he anointed? To preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me, who? He, the Spirit of the Lord, sent me to proclaim release to the captives. So, Everyone who's in captivity and bound up, and bound up can be physical. It can also be in your mind. It can be all of these things. It can be depression. It can be all these things. He says, he sent me 
God's will isn't just for me to go and die on the cross as wonderful, as great, as is needed. It's absolutely the greatest thing in the world. But that isn't all. God sent me to proclaim release to the captives. I mean, you don't have to stay where you're at. Where you find yourself right now, you do not have to stay there because the anointing of God through Jesus is here for you to be released. To the recovery of sight to the blind, and certainly that means physical blindness, but it also means spiritual blindness too that you just can't see. Very often through the the different parables that Jesus says, he would say, if you have eyes to see, then see. If you have ears to hear, then hear. It's not just about the physical eyes. It's about the spiritual eyes as well. And to set free those who are oppressed. Those people who are taken down in bondage and, and can't move beyond today and they can't see anything other than the terrible things of yesterday. Verse 19, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And it literally means favorable means the acceptable. That God has accepted you. God has accepted me. He is here for us in every single way. This is Jesus' mission statement. So then they began to ask Jesus all these questions. And now they're, he's like, where everybody liked him and he's just up there teaching and everybody was happy and praising him as we saw at the beginning of this. Now they're like, oh, hold on. Who the, do you think you are? Here we go. What's going on here? And this is still in where? Nazareth, where he was raised. So as they began to attack him and like, who do you think you are? Aren't you Joseph's son? We saw you grow up. Yeah, you're 30 years old, but what do you think you're doing in here acting like you're God? I mean, who, why, you know, all this stuff. In verse 24, Jesus said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. He's like, hey, you guys can't look past the fact that I was raised here, but that was on purpose. I was raised here as the plan of God so that you would see me grow up, but you having seen me grow up are not able to see beyond me growing up to see the anointing of God that's on me. Verse 25, but I say to you in truth, there were many widows in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months when a great famine was all over the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them. Isn't that amazing? All the times I read the Bible, I never saw this. And yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to the woman who was a widow. He was only sent to one. Verse 27, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman. See, the word of God can be there. The ability for healing can be all around you. And yet some will get it. Some won't. Think about all those widows who were seeking out and didn't know where to go and there was no provision that came. Those people who had leprosy and they never found the cure. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here, but you can't see past who I was growing up here. To see the hand of God is available here for great benefit to heal you. 
But he left because it wasn't being received. Jesus came back again later on and gave the region a second chance and gave his, sec- his town where he grew up, all the people he knew, a second chance. And Mark chapter 6 says, he could do no miracle there in Nazareth except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. See, Jesus was limited by the culture. Jesus was limited by what everybody else around him saw was going on. Jesus was limited. Think about that. Jesus was limited by culture. It even kept Jesus from his purpose. See, Jesus says his mission statement was to come to, he said at liberty, to see the blind eyes and all these things. And yet he couldn't do anything. He wasn't able to accomplish his purpose because they couldn't believe in him. Fast forward. John the Baptist, and we looked at this in great detail a few weeks ago, that he's the cousin of Jesus, and he was the forerunner, and he was out in the wilderness, and everybody came from the cities and the towns to come out there to see John and to hear him talk about forgiveness and repentance, and, and they're all out there. And then Jesus came, and John was there and baptized Jesus, and he heard the voice, the literal voice of God, the audible voice of God, thundering down from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now, that doesn't happen every day. So that would be one of the most spectacular, magnificent things that you could ever imagine happening in your life. And imagine you were there and you heard in your, you're sitting there, you just had baptized Jesus, you brought him up and you saw all this stuff. But how quickly we can forget the things that have happened in the past, even in the recent past. John then gets captured and he's in jail. He's in prison because he was talking to um, Herod and he's telling him about he shouldn't be with his brother's wife and they shouldn't be hooking up and, you know, all these things. And he didn't like that, but he was scared of him, but he liked talking to him. And if you read through this story in the book of Luke with us, it goes into great detail again. Of course, we looked at it in very great detail several weeks ago. But verse 18 of chapter 7, the disciples of John reported to him, John, all these things that Jesus was doing and all the things that were happening and all the miracles that Jesus has had. So here John was the main guy and Jesus came on the scene. Now John is in prison and Jesus is rising and he's like, they're telling him all the stories. Hey, he went to this city and all these things happened. He went over here and all these things happened. And John just sitting there in prison going, man, what happened? Look at this in verse 19. Summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord and said, Are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? And this really cracks me up because John was there. He had just baptized Jesus, brought him up. He heard. How in the world would you question, is there somebody else coming? Who else is coming? Jesus was the Son of God. God validated him from heaven with an audible voice. But sometimes when we're down in the things and we think we're the only person and maybe in prison or in jail and we think that, you know, the depression that can set in and the whole world's caving in on top of us and we start questioning everything. His disciples loyal. Verse 20, when the men came to him, Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the expected one or do we look for someone else? Look at this, verse 21, and at that very time, he, Jesus, cured many people of diseases, 
afflictions, evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. So while they're standing in line to ask Jesus, are you the guy? Are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? While they're waiting in line, he's curing people of diseases. He's curing them of afflictions. He's casting out evil spirits. And people who are blind are seeing. Can you imagine they're standing there in line? And they take the next step up there, the next step, and they're like, hey, are you the guy? And he's like, did you just see what just happened here? And I love this. Verse 22, and Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have heard. Now look and see if this doesn't line up with Luke 4.18. The blind receive their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. I love that Jesus didn't try and give this flowery, explanation but he pointed to his mission statement the spirit of the lord is upon me for this this is what's happening and and in many ways he's saying draw your own conclusion this is why i was sent this is what's happening it's the same thing in luke chapter 9 Starting in verse 1, and Jesus called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal all the sicknesses and diseases. So he grabbed the 12 and he says, all right, now this is a commissioning time and I'm sending you out. So no longer are you just tagging along with me and like big eyes looking at it, but now I'm transferring my mission statement onto you. Verse 2, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to perform healing. He didn't just have them there to tell the stories of Jesus. See, because the mission statement of Jesus wasn't just for Jesus. He was here to show us this is the heart of God for everyone, and he sent them out. He didn't say, just stay in the church. Just wait until people come to you. He sent them out. Why? To proclaim, to tell about all the stuff of the kingdom of heaven, to describe the kingdom of heaven. So when you're sitting there with your friend at lunch and you're talking to them and they don't know what's going on in their life and you start just sharing with them the gospel, you start sharing with them just the smallest little thing, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is just winding up and it's just like sliding right in there and you're like, hey, This is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to proclaim to you the kingdom of heaven. And if they need healing, if they need all these different things, hey, I'm going through this struggle in life. My kids are going through a struggle. I've got this different thing. Hey, let me grab you by the hands and I'm going to pray with you. Why? Because that's the mission statement of Jesus. What's your calling? Let me ask you that really boldly and forwardly. What is your calling? What is all of our calling? What is it that we're all supposed to do? Luke 4, 18. See, it isn't just what Jesus sent, was sent to do. But he turns around and he lays hands on them and he turns around and lays hands on us and he commissions all of us now to go, be sent out. Be anointed. 
receive the anointing of God on your life. But can I tell you that I grew up in a lot of different uh, ministries and situations where people would just say, oh, I got the anointing. I feel the anointing of God in this service. And oh, it was a great worship time. I could feel the anointing. The anointing is, for, is also known as oil. And oil is for work. Oil is, is so you can make that, that axe get sharper faster. So you can put it in your inches so you can go faster and you can go longer and you can keep going and not have trouble. It's for work. The anointing isn't for me to say, oh, look how anointed I am. The anointing is so I can go out there and proclaim. The anointed is to preach. The anointing of God that comes on me is not just to keep it in myself and say, oh, look how great I am. That's what most of us have done. It, no, Jesus says, it is to preach. It's to talk. It's to tell people about God. And then he sent me. It's not only just about me talking about it, but he sent me. I need to take my feet and actually put steps to it to keep talking and proclaiming the release. To preach the gospel to the poor. Who are the poor? Does that mean the person standing on the corner that's just got the sign, will work for food or I'm this or that or something else? Certainly can mean them. But does it only mean them? The richest person that you know may be the most bankrupt in their spirit. The person with the most money in their bank account here physically on this earth may have the least amount in their spiritual bank account. They would be poor. Not by their bank account, but by where their relationship in the kingdom of God. With their relationship with having a personal, intimate understanding who God is. See, part of our mission statement, we've got four of them. The third one now is to discover your purpose, to find out why God created you. What is your purpose, your specific purpose? We all have this purpose. It's to talk about the kingdom of God. That any conversation we have, any conversation I have, by and large, it's going to work in pretty easy right there. There's, well, you know what the Bible would say, or this is what I think. I don't always you say the Bible, but you, you know, I'm going to tell them a biblical principle, and I'm going to start cracking open that door to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We've got to discover our purpose. But once we discover our purpose... We have to hone those tools. We have to receive the anointing. We have to receive the ability to be sent out and then make a difference. It's all about making a difference. It isn't about just going through and today is this day and then tomorrow is another day and then I'm just going to one day at a time it. Certainly, we go through difficult times where we have to go through and just minute by minute. And I've been there myself and I've talked openly about that. Can I tell you that the Spirit of God wants us to make a difference because He made a difference in us? He wants to send me to send you to proclaim the release to the captives, to tell those people that are captive and in, in, in around me, you don't have to stay captive anymore. 
You don't have to stay in bondage to that thing that's keeping you down. The recovery of sight to the blind for those people who can't see tomorrow because they're so blinded by yesterday. The recovering of their sight, like, hey, there's freedom for you in God. To set free those who are oppressed. Can I tell you, there's oppressed people all around you. And to proclaim the favorable or the acceptable year of the Lord. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. This is David. He says, your praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 2, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. But can I tell you that word humble? I should have highlighted it. The word humble means literally to be depressed and also in needy, needy in circumstances or poor. Isn't that what Jesus said? We're supposed to give the good news to those who are poor. But David says, when I make my boast in the Lord, the humble, those who are depressed, those who are needy, those who are poor, that they don't have any spiritual relationship with God, they're going to hear it and they're going to rejoice. What makes a poor person excited? What makes them rejoice? That they don't have to be poor anymore. God says, hey, I've got this great substance that you can give and you can show them what's going on in you, that you're declaring what I've done in your life. You're sharing your story and telling people, hey, man, you can't believe what God's done in my life. And those that are around you that are in need those that the humble, it says here, the depressed, those that needy and those poor, they're going to hear it, and you're going to cause hope to rise up inside of them. Look at the next verse, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. See, David's like saying, hey, you that are poor, you're humble, they're needy, you're in these terrible, depressed circumstances, hey, come along with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Can't you see him putting his arm around them and say, come with me. Now, let us exalt in everything you got going on. It may be the worst day ever in your life. There is something for you to rejoice about. There's something for you to shift your eyes from down here to up here and say, okay, let me magnify. Let me exalt his name. Magnify him with me. And then David continues on, verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Can't you hear him just telling his personal testimony here? Hey guys, I don't know what to tell you. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Hey, I've gone through some really bad situations. And God, when I went to him, he was always there for me. Verse 5. They looked to him radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. David saying, hey, if you come along with me and you keep your focus on God, you're never going to be disappointed. And I love what he says here in verse 6. This poor man cried out. He goes, man, I was at the bottom too. I was depressed. I was needy. I was poor. David was very wealthy. <laughs> he wasn't talking about physical money. He says, this poor man, this person with the deficit that I needed, God cried out and the Lord heard me and saved him. David saying, God saved me out of all my troubles. K 
Can I tell you, that is the gospel. In the Old Testament, Psalm 34, I had some trouble. God saved me. Hey, come. Let me tell you my story and come along with me. Let's find something to praise God about. What he did for me, he'll do it for you. By evidence of the video we watched earlier, Brant John demonstrated God's love and forgiveness. There's no way this young 18-year-old boy could have taken this terrible grief where he was struggling and having all this difficulty. He could turn around and say, I'm going to point you to a God in heaven. And I forgive you. Not just in words only, but I wanted to give an outward demonstration of my forgiving you and that I truly love you. And I, I wish you didn't even have to go to prison. Man, what a statement. I only want the best for you. That's not the voice of someone who's holding on to a grudge. That is someone who's demonstrating the true love of God. Can I tell you, even in the midst of all of that, he was demonstrating Jesus' great commission, Jesus' mission statement, because he set that girl free inside her mind with his words. He's saying, I release you. I'm giving you the freedom. I'm not holding this over your head. He set her free. Though she's in prison, she has a freedom. And he pointed her to the God who loves her, even to the point that as the judge came over to her, you probably saw that too. She told the judge, I don't even have a Bible. You can see the judge apparently like telling her the word of God right there. And the judge left and went to her chambers and brought her Bible and gave it to her. I'm praying for that girl, and I hope you are too. Because she has an opportunity now to meet the God who loves her. The one who will say, man, you have made some mistakes. I've made some mistakes. Hey, you did some things you wish you could go back and change. I've done some things I wish I could go back and change. And I'm here for you. Will you bow your heads with me? You see, first thing that young man said was to turn to God. And if you truly are sorry, he said, God will forgive you. My question to you today is, where do you find yourself today? Have you done things that you know you shouldn't have? We all have. Have you yet come to God and asked him to help you? See, the first step in forgiveness is accepting the free gift of God, Jesus. He came to pay for your sins so you don't have to. I want to invite you to take that step today, right now. Maybe you've been putting it off. Maybe you've done it several times before, but maybe you know right now you need to come to God, whether it's the first time or to return to Him. I simply want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, God in heaven, I want to know you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, for paying for my sins so I don't have to. 
Today I take the step of faith. I place my confidence in you. I ask you to forgive me for making mistakes. Today I choose you. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you from this day forward. Today I give you my heart. Father, I just thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer. Lord, and I just always, as I'm praying that and trying to lead someone, I feel that in throughout the many days and, and months and years that there's going to be so many people that say those words with us. And Lord, you're changing lives one at a time. Lord, let us all be like David that says, man, I had some mistakes. I had some terrible things in my past. But I cried out to God when I was in trouble. And he heard me. Lord, let us all be like that. Lord, let us all find the, the ability to forgive like Brant Jean did. Father, let us all have that ability to look past our own personal pain and our own personal struggles to extend the agape love of God that is not looking for anything when it can't be returned. Lord, that we'll all find freedom, Lord, and we'll extend freedom to those around us. And Lord, that we fulfill the mission of Jesus by sharing our story. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as we close, I just want to say every week I say the same thing. And I just want to let you know that if you took those steps, we want to help you with what the next step could be. And quite honestly, I talk to so many people during the week, and I always point them to our podcast and to our YouTube channel. And, and if, that's, if you're one of those people, hey, and you prayed that prayer with us, we want to know. We want to be able to take the next step with you. And the, way, the best way you can do that is simply to text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. Again, that's text the word NEXT to 469 469- 289-1114. And that's just simply our texting ability to communicate back and forth with you. And we, we just want to just sh keep in touch with you and let you know what your next steps could be. And I talked about discovering who you are and your purpose, and that's part of the steps that are in front of you that we can help you through, that there's a growth track that we want to help you through. And we're working on all the details of being able to do that online, and we're going to be releasing that very soon. We want to hear the stories. We want to hear what God is doing in your life. And we, we want to encourage you to be like David that says, hey, come, magnify the Lord with me. Find somebody to take this journey with you. Invite a friend to watch the podcast with you, to listen to the, the podcast with you, to say, hey, I'm going to copy this URL and I'm going to send it in a text or I'm going to send it in an email. Say, hey, I want you to, and just follow through. Lastly, for those people who want to be a part of the financial success of this ministry, and, and we're so thankful for everyone who pays their tithes and who gives offerings and who are uh, decided to be a part of the core, the people who just make sure that the, the whole core of this ministry stays solid. If you want to be a part of that, you can simply go, and I know it's at the bottom of your screen, givetobelong.com. And there's different options. You can do a one-time gift. You can set up a recurring gift like what we're asking people for the, that want to be a part of the core. You can simply just set up there and 
it chooses what day of the month it comes out, and you can choose that amount you want to give. And we're believing for 27 additional people that are going to give $100 a month. And you choose what day of the month it is, and it just automatically comes to strengthen the core of who we are as a church. And the other option that we have is text to give, and it's also, I believe, at the bottom of your screen. You can simply text the word give to 469-410-7788. And the giving and the texting communication, they have to be two different numbers. I apologize for that, but because of the security of giving, it has to be a separate number. That number is 469 469- 4107788. The great thing about Ticks to Give is once you've got it set up, if you're just giving your tithes, then you can just simply say in there the amount you want to do and hit send and it automatically takes care of it once you've got all the steps done in there. Well, if you will, stand your feet with me. We're going to pray and be dismissed. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for this great example of forgiveness and love of, of the, the commission of Jesus, the, the mission statement of Jesus realized and, and demonstrated by this great young man. Certainly he's one of the most famous people in the world right now by this simple act of kindness. Father, I pray that you would help all of us to take those steps and, and to not look at what we're deserving but what we want to give and to set free those people around us that legitimately have caused pain in our lives, but we'll set them free. Father, we give you all the glory. Father, I speak a blessing over everyone who's giving into this ministry, Lord, who's paid their tithes and their offering this week, and for the people who have participated and joined to be a part of the core to to give $100 a month to help strengthen the, the core of this ministry. Lord, I just thank you that you're causing all of these things to become greater and greater. Father, we thank you for everyone who sent in a connection card and the welcome text. And Lord, all the different things and the people who accepted you today. Lord, you're great. You're amazing. And I thank you for what you're doing here. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.